All right, Daniel chapter 6 will be in verses 16 through 28. Where we left off here, if you'll remember, is um, Daniel was promoted to a, you know, basically the prime minister of the king's region there under, uh, under Darius. And uh, was given charge over all the other leaders. And of course, those that had been from the media Persian Empire there resented Daniel for that. He was a Jew. He wasn't like them. Why does he have, why does he have a say in anything? And uh, so what happens here is they plot this plan against Daniel. And they go to the king and get him to sign this this law into effect <clears throat> that basically states no person can go to anybody but the king for 30 days, no praying to God, none, none of that stuff. And, of course, what does Daniel do? He's faithful to God. So he he goes and prays three times a day. He leaves his windows open. He's not embarrassed. He's not ashamed. It's good when God's people aren't ashamed to be God's people. Amen? Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about it. And so... Uh, he stays faithful, and so they've got all the evidence they need there. They go to the king, and they get him. They get the king to realize he got tricked into signing this law against Daniel. Of course, then we've seen that the king was, um, you know, he he lamented, couldn't eat, lost his sleep, up all night, all this stuff. Or he he wanted to change the law. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. He wanted to try to figure out if he could change things back. He was convinced. No, he, they can't change it back to the way it was, so there's no way out here that the king's law has to be kept. And so that's where we left off. So here's the king, he's reluctant. Can I say that? He's trying to find some way, he works all day, uh, he does everything he can, he's trying to free Daniel from this, the burden of this law. And, uh, and let's move on here, we'll start here in verse 16, and we'll begin to read and we'll look over it, but I think there's some interesting things that this points to that I'll point out to you here in a little bit. So that's where we leave off. So the king wanted to get Daniel out of the trouble he was in due to the law that he realized he was tricked into passing. And so here we go. There's no way out. There's no way to reverse the law. And so here we are in verse 16. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Because he's able to deliver thee, amen? And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. So they sealed it up, no way out of it for Daniel. He's in the lion's den, seemingly at the mercy of the lions. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. This is what I got ahead of myself on. He, the king is obviously bothered by what's happened here. He knows that he's condemned Daniel to die, but then also confesses that Daniel's God will deliver him. We'll talk about that in a second. So he goes back to his palace. As the king went back to his palace, he passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice 
unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Let's stop there for a second before we go any further. So first we've seen the king's reluctance. Uh, he knew he got tricked. The law was no good that he had passed. Um, the king, while reluctant, must execute his own law despite being tricked and against his own conscience. So he passed it. It's finalized. Passing a law has consequences. Ohio's getting ready to see some consequences from some laws that they passed that they're going to, I guarantee, they're going to regret afterwards. Uh, decisions have consequences. And so he's dealing with his conscience on this. Uh, it also, one thing I thought about here is he's the king. Um, that Persian law, a little bit more harsh than Jewish law. Um, but it also shows that he committed himself to something that he later found out was a bad idea. And to some extent, his own pride kept him from turning back on it. He's the king. He could have raised some procedural flaw argument with them on this law that was passed you folks tricked me into passing this law i'm not doing that to daniel he was the king he could have he could have turned back on that but his own pride kept him from doing so he had to keep the law he was the king he was reminded he had the pressure uh to do things the way that they had told him they needed to be done and so he just he you know he just couldn't back down from that and so but it made me think of times in my own life have we ever or anyone else here have you ever committed yourself to something and then realized later, you know, this wasn't a good idea or this wasn't the right way to go? When that happens, sometimes it's our own pride that makes it hard for us to turn back and say, you know, that wasn't a good idea. Let's not continue. Sometimes it's like you just you're tagging along with the crowd. I know this isn't a good idea. Come on. We've all been teenagers here at one point in time. I definitely have a few on my mind from being a teenager. You know, I realize I probably shouldn't have gone along with this. This is not a good idea and I'm not heading in the right direction. But I don't want anyone to, anyone that I'm with to think bad about me. You know, we're just going to keep right on in and go on and do something I know isn't right and, and not good. And then later realize, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Amen. So then we have this king. Uh, he's not happy about the situation. However, praise be to God that Daniel has lived such a good testimony in the kingdom. Uh, at this time, probably I would say about 80 years old. Um, Daniel's lived such a consistent life for God. That even though this king has come to a place where there's nothing he can do because of the position he's in to deliver Daniel from these circumstances, he at least acknowledges that the God which Daniel serves, not leisurely, not passively, but the God that he serves continually will deliver him. Amen? That he can give that testimony on behalf of Daniel with confidence. Um, 
He states to Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually will deliver thee. It just made me think of this. Man can't deliver us. The king can't deliver us. Or our government can't deliver us. And I would also present to you an illustration here that the law cannot deliver us. But God can. Jesus Christ can. Amen. If you really think about this, it was the law that brought Daniel into condemnation here. Do we realize this morning, all of us, if you don't, all of us before Christ are condemned by the law? Amen. Uh, but it's through Jesus Christ, it's through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that the consequences of breaking God's law are removed from us because it's been fulfilled on Christ in our place and so we're justified. Amen. I see an illustration of this here in the chapter. Uh, I'd like to point a few things out here um, just as, as we've seen here with the king. He can't pass a law that justifies Daniel so he's, he's condemned by the very law of the king and the law cannot deliver him from the circumstances he's in. Let me give you a couple places to look at on this. Go to Romans chapter 8, if you will. Hold your spot there in Daniel. Go to Romans 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 and look at verses 3 and 4. I love these illustrations when they jump out at us in the Bible. Amen. Strengthening our faith. Everything that happens here, every, everything that God gives us in the Word of God, everything that's happened to all these folks in the Bible is all on purpose. God uses the whole Bible to point us to Jesus Christ. Look at here in Romans chapter 8. Everyone find it? Look at verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit see that what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh here here was the king's law guess what can't deliver daniel because it had a weakness why because it was a weakness through the flesh let me give you one more go to hebrews chapter 10 if you would Looking at Hebrews chapter uh, 10. It says here in verse 1, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Uh, so that's just a reference to that sacrificial system there, but pointing to the law of Moses, the way they offered sacrifices for atonement of sin. Jesus came once and for all as the sacrifice for all sin. Uh, and so through Christ, the, the legal system, uh, while we still have the moral codes to live by because we're to live to glorify God, the legal system has been fulfilled by Christ. The law cannot deliver us. We must have faith in Jesus Christ for our deliverance. 
So I've seen that illustration here, at least it kind of jumped on my heart when I saw this with Daniel and the king. Here's a law. The law does condemn Daniel to the lion's den, right? But it cannot deliver him from condemnation. But what did we find here that can is God. Now in Daniel's time, his God is the, uh, our Heavenly Father, who's also the God of Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, the God of Israel. Um, and so that's the, that's the reference. Of course, we understand Daniel is, is Jewish. And so the God that he serves continually uh, will deliver him. And so the king makes that testimony. I love the, I love the illustration here. Daniel is justified by faith. That's what you're seeing taking place. It's his faith in God that brings his justification. God would have no reason to deliver Daniel if Daniel had wickedness in him. Amen? We talked about his excellent spirit, his character, the fact he was obedient to God. They could find no flaw in him. They could find nothing wrong with him. Uh, so he was obedient to the law. He was obedient to God. Uh, he carried. He had a good testimony. If Daniel had wickedness in him, God would have no reason to deliver Daniel. Uh, Daniel was delivered because he was justified by faith. His faith was in God, and he understood that God could deliver him. Even the king understood that. So the king is just justified in his statement. He's justified Daniel from guilt and declares that his only crime is serving God and now leaves it to his God to be the one that frees him. Amen? Understanding that even him as a king is limited compared to God. And so we see here that God's put in the lion's den. And then what did they do? They put the stone across the door there or you know, the entrance to the lion's den. Um, it's laid upon the mouth of the den. There's no getting out. The king sealed it with his own signet. He's been signed. It's been sealed, signed, and delivered. There's no way out for Daniel. Amen. So the execution of the of the of the sentence is being carried out. And so the next thing we see then is we'll kind of recap through this, the king's restlessness. The king's very conscience is troubled at this. Amen. He's put, he's done what he's supposed to do according to the law. And he's put Daniel in the lion's den to suffer the consequences uh, for praying to God. And now we see a picture of, of a man wrestling with his conscience. Look at this. The king went to his palace in verse 18, passed the night fasting, neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. A very somber mood happening in the palace there all of a sudden. Amen? Has anyone here ever wrestled with their conscience over something before? You ever lost a night of sleep because you knew you'd done something wrong or said something you shouldn't have said or whatever it was or... Maybe when we're under, maybe like me, when you were under conviction of your need to get saved, you wrestled with your conscience quite a bit at that point. I didn't get, once I was fully under conviction of my need for Jesus for salvation, I didn't sleep until I got right with God. Amen. Sometimes people not being able to sleep, losing your, your rest. Uh, here's a king, he couldn't eat, he fasted, he was fasting, he didn't want any music, there was no entertainment. He was under full conviction. Amen? Full conviction. It is hard for me to understand when people are under the conviction of sin in their life, how they continue on to carry on in that condition. Restless, not sleeping, troubled all the time. 
They know they've done wrong. Get right with God. The burden gets lifted. Let me give you a couple verses on this conviction. Uh, go to Job. We got a good one in Job. In chapter 7 of Job. Right there before Psalms. Job chapter 7. Conviction can make someone ponder life a little bit differently. Amen. When you come under conviction of your need for salvation, need for forgiveness, need for Christ, conviction over wrongdoing, things that you've done wrong, this kind of thing, um, it, it's even a heavier conviction if you're faced with the possibility of death, either in your own life or the possibility of death in this case. The king is troubled at Daniel being in that den with the lions for, for that overnight period. But look at Job here, uh, who reflects on this in chapter 7 in these first four verses. Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hireling? As a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, and as a hiring looketh for the reward of his work, so am I made to possess months of vanity and wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone and I am full of tossings to and fro unto the dawning of the day. You see that? Job was dealing with, well, one, he was dealing with affliction, but he was also dealing with conviction and pondering life on earth and things like that. And when we get to thinking about it, we sometimes realize like we picture all these different things we've done, all you know what, and then we start to realize what are the things that have really mattered. And so when all of us here today come to the point of what whenever it comes in our lives where we may be looking at the possibility of passing from 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 this physical life into eternity, I hope you're looking at life in heaven with Jesus. I hope everyone here is saved. Right, first and foremost, but even for saved people, you'll start to reflect back on, you know, have I lived the way I should have lived for the Lord? And you think about how did I do with spreading the gospel? How did I do with loving people in my church, in my community? And you start to reflect on things, family relationships, everything. You would be surprised what you start to think about. Amen? And I can tell you what. If there's things in there that you regret, even a saved person can find themselves restless and wrestling with conviction and tossing to and fro all night long, can't get any sleep, can't get any peace. Why? Because the whole, well, one, we have a conscience that convict us. God gave us that. But even stronger than that is the Holy Spirit's conviction. And when God gets a hold of your heart about something, he's not going to leave you alone until you get, make it right. Amen. So here's this king, completely troubled, bothered, tossed, he can't sleep, fasting. Uh, let me give you another one here. Psalm 32. <clears throat> Psalm 32. 
King could have avoided this scenario to begin with it if he'd just been a little bit more cautious with the law that he was passing to begin with. Now, God used it for his purposes. Of course, we know that. Look at Psalm 32. I like this. Everyone find it? I'm going to start in verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. For us, that's those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior. Amen? If you've accepted Christ as your Savior today, your transgression is forgiven, your sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. All benefits of being in Christ. Uh, David says here, and I like to, ca- I want to capture this thought as it, it kind of flows with our lesson in Daniel. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Amen. The hand of God was heavy upon him. We got a king here in Daniel chapter 6 that's got a heavy hand of God upon him right now. He's right and that God will deliver Daniel in the situation, uh, but in reference to battling conviction and, and things in our life, uh, if, you, if, you've lo- if you've lost your peace, you've lost your uh, sense of comfort, you're out of communion with Christ, you're feeling that disconnect, you're feeling... Uh, restless there's you know you're losing sleep the hand of God is upon you Um, listen there's a solution for it right here in verse 5 I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin that is still the same process that we have as Christians today I understand that this is from uh, the times of, of David and before Christ, but when we're under conviction, we've done wrong. We've set, we've we've quenched the spirit. We've hindered God in our life. We're, we're restless. We can't sleep. We're bothered by things. Acknowledge your sin unto God. Take it to the Lord. Confess. Uh, forsake, confess my church. It says here in verse 3, when I kept silence, my bone waxed old through my roaring all the day long. So when he was not confessing his sin, God allowed him to remain in his troubled circumstances. But the minute he confesses his trans, uh, transgressions, the minute he acknowledges his wrongdoing, the minute that he takes that iniquity to the Lord, what does the Lord do? He forgave us the iniquity of his sin. We have the same pattern uh, to us today. It says that uh, when we have sinned, that our Lord, He's faithful and just, that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just will, and will cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. He forgives our sins and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And so it's the same thing. Um, we don't have to turn to this next uh, verse, but in Revelation 14, 11, it's, it, it's a reference to somebody who's been tormented by their sin, do we know hell is a place of everlasting torment 
And it's our sins that we're tormented with, those things that we put before God and chose to serve instead of God. And so in Revelation 14.11, it talks about the torment of those who did not have Christ. The torment, there's no rest day and night. If you're in conviction of sin today, God may not let you rest day or night until you make it right with the Lord. I mean, I know that that's sometimes an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but it's a biblical thing. I mean, I needed somebody to explain to me uh, early on what this conviction was, especially a new Christian that gets that conviction of the Holy Spirit for the first time about things, and you're just, what is happening to me right now, right? Um, because the Holy Spirit's telling you, hey, um, knocking on the door of your heart on things, hey, uh, you don't need that anymore. Uh, you shouldn't like that anymore. And it's like, wow, I really am changing, you know? And then as you yield to that, you just wait. Year or two into your walk with Christ, people that, had, that you kind of left behind in order to serve the Lord, Oh, look at you. Just think you're better than everyone now, right? That's for, why? Because you're different. You don't like the same things anymore. You yielded to God um, and you're happy for the, probably the first time in your life. Why are you happy? Because all of those things tormenting you, all those things making you lose sleep, all those things that you wouldn't get, and you got, got them right with God and you got the forgiveness and the burdens lifted and the Holy Spirit's in there and you got the joy of the Lord and now all of a sudden you're happy. Amen? And if you're not happy to be a saved Christian, talk to me. I want to I be able to meet with you about that and, and, uh, and, and be a help to you. Now, life's not perfect just because we're saved, but we still have joy and we're still happy because the, at the end of the day, we know that we've gotten right uh, with God. And so I just I caught the illustration of conviction there. I figured I would, uh, I would, I would kind of go down that road and, and discuss that. Um, so here's that king, he's under conviction, can't sleep, no entertainment in the kingdom. Then it says the king arose very early in the morning. I mean, you can just picture this king, right? He ain't slept all night, he's probably just watching that clock. Oh, come on, 4 a.m. You know, he just, whatever the time frame is, according to their law custom or whatever was involved in this Daniel having to be in that lion's den. He, I mean, he left early. He made sure the very second Daniel could be out of that lion's den, he was there. Uh, and so he was up early, couldn't sleep. Uh, you ever seen somebody that's just anxious about something, can't sleep, and it's like, oh, man, I got to, I got to, I'm just going to leave early. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what the king did here. And so he, he left early, got up early in the morning, and, uh, First thing he does there is he cries out to Daniel, uh, you know, and he's crying. He's got a crying voice here, um, and he's crying out to Daniel, and he's inquiring of how God brought him through the circumstances that he was in. Um, I can, I can tell you this: when people know that you're going through a lion's den in your spiritual life they'll want to hear the testimony of how God led you through that when it's over. Amen. And so he's crying out to Daniel. He's inquiring of him. Was I God, Did I, did whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? And now Daniel has opportunity to give testimony of triumph. And that's what we see here. So let's, let's continue on a little bit further. 
Then said Daniel unto the king, this is in verse 21, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me. Reiterating that point, had God found wickedness in Daniel, would he, he would not have had occasion to deliver him from the lion's den. What did God find? Innocency. Uh, I'm thankful today that uh, we are... Uh, we are innocent through Christ. It's through Him. Uh, so as before Him, innocency was found in me, and also before Thee, O King, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. He was justified by faith. Amen. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, uh-oh, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them, and broke all of their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Again, uh, Persian law, much more harsh than Jewish law. Now Darius here in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So, a couple things I want to point out here before I run out of time. Daniel gives a testimony of triumph. First thing he says is that God's salvation, he, he refers to God's salvation, but he, what he gives testimony to is an absolute miracle. It's a miracle of God, amen? God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths, amen? Uh, I'll give you this too, and I, I pondered this. Some uh, said, well, is that the same angel that was in the fiery furnace with Daniel's friends there, the one, the fourth that was seen, the walking about in the furnace with him that appeared as the Son of God, which we know is a reference to the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, so I, I, I tried to come to a, a decisive conclusion on that, and I personally, it's possible, but usually when you deal with uh, appearances of Christ before his incarnation, you usually see the term angel of the Lord. Now it does say that it was God's angel, well, we got to remember there's there's Gabriel, there's Michael and Archangel, and Jesus talks about legions of angels. There's a, 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 numerous angelic resources to, that God can use. Amen. And so in this instance, I, I don't necessarily see see it. Uh, it could be. I don't see a reference to it. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on it. I'm just saying when I talk about appearances of Christ in the Bible, I like that clear definitive evidence uh, that it gives you. The word, the word of God usually gives you a clear and concise um, evidence to look at for that. 
But for, for what, I don't know necessarily what difference it makes either. What we do know is that God sent his angel, and it's a lowercase a and all that other stuff in there. But God sent an angel, and that angel shut those lion's mouths. Amen. That's what we know. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, that in and by itself is an absolute um, miracle. But another thing I wanted to point out here, Daniel did not verbally he did he he was there was no guile in him he didn't lash out towards the king he didn't blame the king he wasn't mad at the king he said oh king live forever he told him my god did deliver me he sent his angel and they shut the lion's mouth he was forgiving towards the king he spoke not one word against the king he did not self-vindicate the best is he was disaffected by the king his government his enemies the snare that was set for him by the wicked against him. Completely disaffected by it. That's how we need to be in our Christian life. We need to be disaffected in our, the way we walk with the Lord, the way we treat other people, not affected by who's in the White House, who's in the government, who our enemies are, what snares they set for us. We don't have to worry about it because we have Jesus Christ. Amen? Um, I'll give you a couple couple Bible verses on this. Hold your spot there still in Daniel. Look at Luke chapter 6 for a second. Luke chapter 6, look at verses 27 through I'll give you a couple more seconds to find it. Daniel's circumstances, what he's been through, and his response to it perfectly illustrate a couple spiritual principles that we've been given that we should use in our lives as well. Um, one is forgiveness and loving our enemies, which he clearly has demonstrated to us here. Look at Luke chapter 6 and verses 27 through 29. Jesus is teaching on how to treat others, and he says this, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not, to take thy coat also. Amen. How many of us are doing good in that area? You notice your pastor hasn't raised his hand either. Um, we got a lot to work on. Amen. It's easy to love people you agree with and easy to love the people that are, that are you know, that come to church with us and we know they're, are like-minded believers. Jesus told us we need to love our enemies. Boy, how God uses our enemies to teach us something about love, doesn't he? And we need to do good to those which hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those which despitefully use you. And I love 29. And unto him that smiteth thee on the cheek, just they slap you on the right cheek, give them your left cheek. Mm. That's uh, literal but also 
There's a lot of things that act as a slap in the face. And what Jesus is teaching is even when you're dealing with those people that like to give you a slap, continuously put yourself in the position to take another. Mm. That's hard to do. If they take your cloak, give them your coat also. Oh, in other words, keep on giving until there's nothing left. Amen? Even if they don't deserve it. So, so there's that. And Daniel, Daniel's fulfilling that because he's not even speaking against his enemies. But you know what? He realizes he doesn't have to because vengeance belongs to the Lord. Amen? Now, he doesn't have to do anything on his own. But let me give you a couple more things here before we run out of time. Go to 1 Peter, if you would. I can get there myself. First Peter, look at chapter 2. Look at verses 21 through 23. So first Peter chapter 2 verses 21 through 23. Scripture reads this, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Well, that's what Daniel did. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, I'll give you one more, uh, dealing with the snare that was, you know, he had a snare set for him. Look at this. Stay in First Peter. Go to chapter 4. Look at verse 19. Daniel was in a bad situation. <coughs> Don't you admire the way... Daniel didn't panic, did he? He didn't show any sign of being distraught over what was happening. You know what he did? He did this right here in, in 1 Peter 4.19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. That's what Daniel did. He understand that there was none more faithful than the God that he served continually, amen? And put his full full trust in the situation. And so uh, what ended up happening though here, I want to shift back a little bit on this illustration of the law. Um, the law that was passed here was for Daniel to spend the night in the lion's den, right? Because those that had tricked the king into signing that law were convinced that it would only take a couple of hours and whoever was in there would be devoured by the lions, they only had a very, uh, you know, humanly concept of what would happen. It was devoid of faith. So by Daniel still being in the lion's den alive in the morning, the law was completely vindicated and Daniel was delivered. Amen? He was justified by his faith. He was delivered from the law and the law was satisfied at the same time. And so what ends up happening there is we start to finish up. Then we see the king's revenge. Um... We see throughout the Bible, the wicked are always, sooner or later, caught in their own snare. Amen? 
Look at verse 24. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. They cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, wives, whole families wiped out. They got caught in their own snare, didn't they? Uh, the king took immediate vengeance upon those that tricked them. Uh, they lost it their own game, if you would. The snare that they said had snagged them instead. It points out a spiritual truth to us today. God always has a way to repay those that trouble his servants. Are people troubling you today? Any one of us. The world gives us trouble. Guess what? God will take care of it. In his time, in his way. He's the righteous judge. He's the faithful creator. Let me give you a couple verses on this. We'll close out. Psalm 119 verses 110. I'm going to read it, but you can write that down. Psalm 119 verse 110. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Well, they tried to trick Daniel up. Amen? He did not err from his God. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 25. It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy, and after vows to make inquiry. They sought to devour Daniel, who was a a sanctified, consecrated, set-apart servant of God he was made holy through that he would be considered holy and it was a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy and after vows to make inquiry look at uh, Psalm 38 I'll give you a few more I got two minutes I'm going to use it Psalm 38 in verse 12 They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. Boy, we sure seen that. Go back two chapters. Look at Psalm 35. First couple verses here. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up. For mine help, draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. You see what happened? Go all the way down to verse 8. Let destruction come upon him at unawares and let his net that he hath hid catch himself into that very destruction let him fall. That's exactly what happened to Daniel's enemies. Amen? One final verse. Bear with me. Psalm chapter 9, verse 16. The Lord is known by the judgment which He executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of His own hands. That's what happened with Daniel. God took care of him. God's going to take care of us today. He's going to deliver us because we believe in our God. Amen? I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able. That's what we see there in Daniel chapter 6, a God that's able. And now Darius, what, what, what Satan intended to be bad, God has now turned around and is going to use for good because here's a decree that's being signed under Daniel's time and you're going to see this decree pop up again 
when it's time for them to leave captivity and go back and rebuild with Ezra and Nehemiah. And we'll see the decrees of Darius in the Median Persian Empire and how God ends up using them in a very powerful way to help them. But he testifies, yes, the God of Daniel, he delivered him, he rescued him, he worked these signs and wonders, he's the true God. And so once again, we see our God getting the victory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Sunday school this morning. Thank you for your victory, Lord. It's your victory, but it's, it's, it's our victory through you. And we see the victory in Daniel's life. Thank you for the deliverance of Daniel from the den of lions, Lord. Thank you for our deliverance. Delivered from the law, delivered from the condemnation of the law, delivered because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And that we're justified by faith. Uh, not of any works that we have done, Lord. We're thankful for that today. Thank you for speaking to us in your word. Lord, we just continue to remember our church this morning, Lord. And um, uh, God, just a lot happening. And people need your help right now and your touch. And um, Lord, I just, I love you. I thank you. I pray for everybody coming into service today. I ask that you keep them all safe. Lord, I ask that we will... Uh, be able to, to have a blessed and wonderful worship service today because you're worthy of it, Lord. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. In Jesus' name, amen.